0: Can you guys help me, uh, join me in thanking our worship team, they did a great job, we appreciate them so much, thank you guys, and uh, we are honored to have you guys here, uh, my name is Josh, if we haven't met yet, please come track me down after one of the services, I would love to meet you, um, Evident is a, is a family, right, uh, we are a growing family, so uh, we, we're so glad that you're a part of that family, uh, we have people joining us online, we're glad they're a part of our family as well, so how you guys doing, good? All right, good. I'm glad. That helps me. It helps me as a pastor. Uh, I'm very excited uh, to be in week two of our series called From Stressed to Blessed. Doesn't that sound good? Yep. Just take a deep breath. Just go, ah, just, just feels good. We're talking specifically about the challenging topic of how God wants us to move from stressed in our finances to blessed in our finances. Does anybody feel any financial stress ever at all? <laughs> right? If you're not raising your hand, I know that you're stressed financially. Yeah. Uh, So we want to talk about how God wants to help us. And so in this series, we're talking about three uh, basic key commitments that if you will make and live out these three commitments, God will do amazing things to give you joy and peace in your finances. And uh, so uh, recently, my wife and I have been going to the gym. Can you tell? All right, all right, I can, yeah, okay. All right, a little bit of work still to do. Uh, All 150 pounds soaking wet, so. (laughs) Um, But we love the atmosphere of this gym that we've been going to. I don't know if you've ever gone to a gym before and people are just like really sad to be there. You know, just like they're just depressed, like I don't want to be here kind of a thing. But the atmosphere where we've been going, uh, people come and they're excited to be there. Uh, They want to put in the hard work right? They want to grow and get stronger. So like you're doing these like workout classes together and uh, like you're switching from station to station and people are high-fiving each other. And it's not fake, like it's just real. Like they want to encourage each other and they want to grow and get better. So while it's not fun, uh, we are getting stronger. Amen? And we're going to have another challenging uh, topic today, but we are growing closer to our God and we are growing stronger in our faith. Amen, church? So I want to lean into it with you and uh, trust that God has our best interest in mind and yours as well. He does want to help you move from being stressed to being blessed. So last week, um, I challenged us as a church and as individuals, I challenged us to live debt-free and to attack and pay off all of our consumer debt. And you all looked at me like I was a unicorn. Yeah, like who is this guy and what is this thing he speaks of? Because it's not something that we hear in our culture, right? But God doesn't want us to live in bondage to debt. And it is possible to live debt-free. And when you live that way, not in debt to anyone, only to love one another, it is so freeing and it is possible. Uh, So I had so many of you come up to me uh, last week and tell me that you were feeling challenged. I could see the look on your faces. Uh, how you, You've also seen God's blessing. Those who are experiencing that, you, you know God's blessing. And uh, many of you are being challenged to take that step, and I'm proud of you for that. That's awesome. I actually had somebody uh, come up to me after service. Actually, they came over to our house for Bible study. My wife was leading, and she had with her the one remaining credit card that she still had left, and she said, I want you to go grab your scissors. Uh, so go ahead and just watch this short video. Okay. Yeah. Right. There it goes. Yes, yes. All right. So, can we give Stephanie a hand? She's she's responding to the Holy Spirit. She's saying, "I don't trust in Visa. I trust in my God." Amen. So sometimes that can be a security blanket. Sometimes our credit cards can be a security blanket, and they allow us to be undisciplined. They allow us to. Not be focused, and we're going to challenge ourselves to do things differently. So today, I'm going to give you another challenge, and it's this. I want to challenge you to commit to tithe 10% of your income to God through Evident Church. I feel it with you, all right? I do. I know as soon as we start talking about this kind of thing, like there's a, there's a, a tension that exists, And there's some people in the room who are skeptical and say, Oh, I understand. This is a series uh, for the church to get more of my money. And I promise you, nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the truth. God wants to bless you. God wants to do things in your life. I spoke on this topic back in November. Uh, You can go back and listen to that message. I would encourage you to do that. I spoke about some other aspects, some commonly asked questions. But God truly does want to bless you. Do you believe that? Yes. God truly does have your best interests in mind. Um, the key—the keyword study Bible says the Greek word translated "blessed" is "makorei." Don't try to say that five times fast. Uh, in the New Testament, it means this: to be fully satisfied. God wants you to be fully satisfied. He wants you to be fully satisfied in Him. But that only comes when you are fully surrendered to him. See, I want this for you, church. I want you to experience God's blessing in your life. But I promise you, it only comes when you surrender everything to him, including your finances. Surrender your finances to God. And one of the questions that comes up as we talk about generosity and giving is this question. I want you to think about this question. Are you a generous person? Are you a generous person? Most of us would answer, yeah. How do we measure that, though? How do we gauge that? Is it a feeling? I feel generous. Is it a comparison? Like, I am more generous than this person? How do we gauge generosity? And I recently came across a study of the top 20 uh, billionaires, the wealthiest people in our country. This would include people like Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, Facebook. Jeff Bazos of Amazon, uh, Michael Bloomberg, Bill Gates, uh, Alice Walton, who is one of the heirs of the Walmart estate, Lorreen Jobs, um, f- uh, wife of uh, former Steve Jobs of Apple, and they studied uh, the, the, the generosity of the wealthiest people um, in our country, and it's amazing. Uh, while they give millions and millions and millions of dollars, according to percentage of their wealth, they give less than 1% of their wealth. Is that generous? What about us? The average American gives, on average, uh, 2% or less of their income. It's no different for Christians. Is that generous? So if you you look at that a different way, 2% we're giving away, but what's happening to the other 98%? Who's that being spent on? Ourselves, right? Is that generous? We have to ask ourselves, is that what generosity looks like? Is that what the heart of God is for his people? If I have $100, here, you have two, and I'm going to take the other 98 Believe that God has something different in mind. See, the Bible teaches a principle called tithing. The word tithe is a Hebrew word meaning tenth, and it's a biblical guide to giving and generosity for God's people. There are basically five key passages on this topic of giving. There's many more, but the key ones are Genesis 14, which is the first example of tithing. Um, Haggai chapter 1, in which God challenges Uh, people to look after the priorities of God in their finances and not their own priorities. Malachi chapter 3, specific teaching on tithing. Matthew 23, Jesus affirming this principle. And 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, special offerings and generosity for the, the people of God. Can I take a minute and pray for us? Will you guys bow your heads with me? God, I thank you for this time. And I thank you, God, for the desire of each person in this room or watching online to know you. God, they wouldn't be here if they didn't desire to honor you. They wouldn't be here if you aren't working in their life. God, I pray that you'd give us your grace as we talk about a challenging topic. I pray that you'd give us hope where we need hope. I pray you'd give us conviction where we need conviction. God, I pray you give us courage where we need courage. I pray this for my brothers and sisters in Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. The big overarching theme in the Bible related to money is this, God owns it all. He owns it all, right? It's all, it's all his. The Bible describes us as managers or stewards of what God has given to us. Amen, church? Uh, My body, my body is given to me as it's God's resources. My body belongs to God. I am the manager of this. That's why we're going to the gym, all right? Hey, no, I'm just kidding. Um, Partially, right? I'm a manager of the time that I have, the job that I have, the family that I have. I'm a manager of these things. God owns it all. We're managers of it. It kind of makes me laugh whenever you see like an NBA basketball star, excuse me, um, you know, dunk a basketball. They're like seven feet tall. They dunk a basketball barely jumping, and then they pound their chest, right? Like they just did something amazing. Who gave them that body, right? God did. And it's the same thing with our resources is they are all God. Do we track them so far? Yes. They are all God's. We are managers. So that's what's going on in Malachi, the pastor we're going to look at, where God is challenging their management of his resources. So here's what it says in Malachi chapter three. It says, will a mere mortal rob God? That alone is a loaded question. How can a mortal, someone who is you know, gonna die and is limited in their power, how can that person rob and steal something from God who's all powerful? He said, yet yeah, you rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So what I want to do with you for the next few minutes is just share with you four core convictions about this principle and how it applies to your life, all right? So here's the first one. I believe this with all my heart. I believe that tithing is to be the starting point for Christian giving. Now, let me just give some clarity Uh, tithing is an old testament principle and we are not bound by the law any longer we are saved by grace can we just say amen to that we are not saved by what we do take a deep breath thank you jesus he died on the cross for our sins but this principle continues on from old to new testament as a starting point for generosity um this is the the floor and not the ceiling of christian generosity um jesus said this in matthew <clears throat> Chapter 23, he said, "What do you teach of the law, and you Pharisees, you hypocrites? You give a tenth or a tithe of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law: justice, mercy, and faithfulness." Here's what he says: You should have practiced the latter, which is uh, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. What does he say? Without neglecting the former, which is what? Returning the tithe to God. I'll be honest with you, what I usually find is that anyone who wants to dismiss tithing as something that is not for us today, usually use it as an excuse to give less than what even the Old Testament talked about. In the Old Testament, uh, we're in this idea of grace. Grace always goes beyond what the law talked about. Let me just give some examples. So the Old Testament talks about adultery, says don't commit adultery. But Jesus says, don't even have a lustful thought in your heart toward another person. Right? The Old Testament says, don't murder. What does Jesus say in the New Testament? Even hatred is the same thing as murdering. So the Old Testament principle is returning a tithe to God. So in the New Testament, we would never expect that generosity looks like something less than that. We'd always expect it to be something more. So we're not bound to a specific number. But I do think that that is a starting point and a guide for Christian giving so for those who are who aren't tithing we're challenged to get there and for those who are you haven't crossed the finish line you're challenged to give more right see here's what i discovered about myself too that we serve a generous god but many of us are asking the wrong question in our hearts if i'm honest and if you're honest most of the time we're asking okay god what's the least that i can give and still get away with it. You guys tracking with this? God, I want to make you happy. Uh, what's the least I can give? We're asking the wrong question. The question should be, God, what is the most? How much can I give? You guys tracking with this? God, change my heart to be a generous heart. I don't want to be focused on what I have. I want to be focused on being generous with all my stuff. All your stuff, if we're honest. Right? So that's the starting point. Number two, conviction number two, that I believe that tithing is to be done through the local church. Everybody say, whole tithe. Whole tithe. We just read in that passage, bring the whole tithe. Bring the whole tithe. That I believe that that should be happening through the local church. The pattern that we see laid out in the Old Testament and continuing in the New Testament is that they returned it to the temple, then they also returned it to the church in the New Testament. Here's what we see in Acts chapter 4. This is a beautiful picture of generosity. The early church, all the believers were of one heart and one mind. Doesn't that sound good? No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. I I like my stuff, to be honest. But they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, that there was no needy persons among them. Does that sound good? And it didn't take the government to do it, right? It's the people of God taking care of needs. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. They brought the money from the sales and they put it where? At the apostles' feet, the church leader's feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Here's an example. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas. He had a nickname. What was his nickname? You guys reading the, it on the screen. Am I moving too fast? Are you guys falling asleep? Is it too hot in here? What do you want from me? Okay. Yeah, double expresso. So he had a nickname, Son of Encouragement. Here's what he did. Um, It says that uh, he sold a field he owned and he brought it, he brought the money where? And put it at the apostles' feet. So that's the pattern we see is that people collect their resources together They're entrusted to those who will help distribute those to those who have needs. Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus said this about the church. He said, I will build my church, he says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm putting my money there. Does that make sense? There's one organization that Jesus says will not disappear, and that is the church. So it's great to give to other organizations. Praise God for that. But I want to invest in what Jesus says will not ever end. You guys tracking with me? I want to invest in something that's making an eternal difference. When we return the tithe to God through the local church, here's what happens. Ministry happens. The Bible is preached and taught. People's needs are met. We have a place to gather together. This doesn't happen without people's generosity. All of this happens because people give. Last year, we saw over 100 people commit their lives to Jesus. That happens. Why? Because you gave. Does this make sense? When we give, that's what happens. God does amazing things. Together, last year, we had the privilege of giving away over $35,000 to causes outside of our walls. Can we celebrate that for a second? Can we praise God for that? Come on, church. Praise God for that. What are we doing? This matters, right? These are. This is making an eternal difference. This matters for the kingdom. I know you want to give. I know you want to. But this is a key principle that has to be in play first. So, God can bless us and then He can bless other people through us. This is so critical. So, that money went to save people from evictions in our community. Praise God for that. That money was used to put food on people's tables, that money was used to give gifts for people to open at Christmas time, all because you gave. Thank you for giving. Thank you for being faithful to do that. I came across a story, a new story from December of this past year that there's a church that paid paid off uh, five million dollars of people's medical debts I know what you're thinking where's this church (laughs) it's in California okay you can't go there but uh, but but that's that's what it should look like amen church where did that five million dollars come from It came from people, right? (laughs) It came because people gave and trusted that to the church, and the church blessed people with it. That's how it's supposed to look. God does amazing things when we live according to his principles. It's fantastic. It's amazing. The church is God's plan to save the world. Amen, church? The church is God's plan to save a lost and dying world. It's worth every penny of our obedience and our investment. We believe so strongly in the mission and the vision of Jesus' church that we do this, listen to this, willingly and with joy, right? The world's like, what are you doing? (laughs) But we're like, we believe so strongly in the mission and vision of Jesus that we're like, God, take these resources and multiply them for your kingdom, right? Do amazing things. Change people's lives through the resources you've given to us. I'm putting my money there. I'm a little bit passionate about it. I'm not going to apologize, though. Number three, conviction number three is this, that tithing shows God that he has 100% of my heart. It is a tangible way of showing God that I am all in. The first commandment of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, verse 3, says you shall have no other gods, what does it say, before me. So the question before us is what are we tempted to have and to worship as God? Jesus answered that question in Matthew chapter 6. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. What does it say? You cannot serve both God and money. He answers that question. Money is the God that will fight the hardest for your devotion. It is. It is. The tithing tells God he has 100% or he's number one in my life. Why is this so important? It's very simple. God is so good that he won't rest until he's number one in your life. If you wonder why you might be struggling or stressed financially, God may be stirring the pot to cause you to turn to him and make sure that he's number one, that your trust is in him. In Malachi... God was allowing their farmland to wither away. Why? Is it because God needed the extra few percentages of their giving? No. Why would God do that? It's because not tithing simply showed the true state of where their heart was. So why does God go after our finances and make them worse until we surrender them to him? because he wants to jar us back into getting our hearts into alignment with him. Church, I know this is not easy, but it's true. Um, Greed, which could just simply be defined as self-worship, is one of the, the strongest forces of evil that we have to fight against. You can say that you're a Christian, You can go serve at homeless shelters and do all these great things, but until God has control of your finances, I'm not sure I'm convinced. That has to be every part of us that was surrendered to God. Jesus said, where your heart is, there your treasure or there your money will be also. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that where you put your money is the best indicator of what? Of where your heart is. Where you put your resources is the best indicator of where your heart is. So a lot of people pour their money into their kids. It's not a bad place to put resources. A lot of people put their money into houses and cars and themselves and 401ks. But where does it indicate that our heart is? Last week we talked about creating a budget and a plan This week, what we're talking about is putting God first in that plan. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and then your barns will be filled with overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. I will be the first to tell you that this is not easy. Can we just acknowledge that? This is hard. We're getting stronger, though. We're getting stronger, growing closer to God, it's painful, and you will be tempted every single time to say, "Ah, uh, not this week. Your car will break down. Something unexpected will happen. It reminds me of a little boy who was walking to church one day, and he had two quarters. Uh, one was for the offering plate, and one was for candy after service. He's a kid after my own heart, right? As he's walking to church, uh, he gets bored with his walk, so he starts juggling the two quarters, and one of them drops, rolls toward the sewer drain, and drops down the sewer drain. He runs over frantically, trying to get the quarter out, and he realizes it's hopeless, and he looks to God and says, God, sorry about your quarter. (laughs) That's very true, right? I feel really bad for you. So here's the thing. Conviction number four. I believe with all my heart that God promises... That when we tithe, we'll be better off living on 90% than on 100%. Malachi 3, verse 10, says, Test me in this, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. This is the only place in Scripture where God says to test him. Every other place says, Don't test me. It's like a a parent, Don't test me. But this time he says, Test me, and see if I will not prove myself faithful. It's a promise. He wants his people to take him at his word. One of the things that God has had to to challenge me of, or break me of, um, is what I would describe as uh, what I would call a scarcity mindset. I'm sure many people can relate. A scarcity mindset says there's not going to be enough to go around. And if I let this go, if I share this, if I give this, then I'm going to lack. But God is not a limited God. What God is challenging me of is just saying, Josh, I'm not a, a scarcity God. And we don't live foolishly. We live by faith, though. God is a generous God. God is the kind of God that can take nothing. And what does, he make, what does God make out of nothing in Genesis chapter 1? How about the universe, all right? In the beginning, God, there was nothing that existed. And God said, boom, let me make all of this. God can make a way where there is no way. Is that that true, church? He is the way maker. It's time for us to have our faith renewed in God's ability to provide for us. And tithing is one way to trust God. Say, God, I take you at your word. You are the way maker. I refuse to live according to a scarcity mindset in my finances. I refuse to say, I can't let this go, God. How are you going to provide for me? I choose to trust that God has abundant resources and will provide for all of my needs. Are you with me, church? I choose to trust God has abundant resources and he will provide for all of my needs. So I began thinking, and I thought this would be helpful, how are we better off financially when we tithe? What actually happens? Let me, let me share with you a couple of thoughts. So if you return the tithe to God and manage the remaining 90% in a godly fashion, here's what God may do. Oftentimes, he may give us raises when we didn't expect them. He may sustain our health so we can keep working. He may allow us to keep our job in the midst of a difficult economy. I like this one. He may cause us to lose our job, so we'll get a different job. That might be even better. God may help us to curb our spending impulse.